I need one person here, please. Turn your Bibles with me this morning to the book of Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 from verse 23. You see, I said I want to tell you how you can make your own chance. Because a lot of things happen in life that you control. But there are many things that you don't and cannot, even if you want. Matthew in chapter 5. I'm sorry, Mark in chapter 5. Mark in chapter 5. We will begin reading from verse 25. If you will stand up with us. For those who are visiting, they're not leaving, but when we read the Bible, we want to honor God by standing up for the reading of his word. We'll read about five verses or so. If you're there, let's go one, two, go. And a certain woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. A long-standing problem. A long-standing problem. Losing blood. The Bible says that the blood, the life of the animal, is in the blood of the animal. And she was losing life every day for 12 years. They didn't tell us who it was. That means that that person's name was not important. But the fact behind it is what I need you and I to understand today. 12 years, she was losing life. Everything that she was doing was gradually ebbing away. No victory, just losses. 12 years. I pray that that would not be happening to anybody here. In verse 26, he says she had suffered many things of many physicians. She was a guinea pig. You know, when they can't find out what is wrong with you, they say it's cancer. When they cannot diagnose whatever it is, they say it's a rare condition. Then they give it a name that is supposed to scare you. But by the name of Jesus Christ today. Anything that looks like it is just meant to frighten you. The almighty God will calm you today in the name of Jesus. He said he had suffered many things of many physicians. And she had spent some of what she had. Part of what she had. All. She had spent all of what she had. And was nothing better. But she was getting worse. What a calamity. Everything she had worked for in life. She had given it up just to get healing. You see, they have said it before that when you don't have good health, you don't have anything. And when you do not have health, you will give up everything that you have in order to be able to sleep. We have taken it for granted sleeping sometimes. I've said this many times. When you go to sleep, it's in your hands. When you wake up, it's in the hands of God. I pray that you will continue to wake up by yourself. You didn't understand what I said. I said, I pray that you will continue to wake up by yourself. That nobody will have to get you out of bed. Nobody will have to wake you up. Nobody will have to pull you out. Verse 27. When she heard of Jesus, 
She came in the press behind. She came in the press, in the crowd that was behind, and went and touched his clothes. When she touched his clothes, in verse 28, she said, If I may but touch his clothes, if I can just touch him, I shall be made well. Another version said, I shall be made whole. Another version says that my problems will come to an end. Another version said, the solution to my life is in him. Another version said that when I can touch him, my eyes will be opened to my solutions. I pray God will open somebody's ears today. And in verse 29, straight away, the fountain of her blood was dried. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that affliction. Another version says she was healed of that plague. Another one says that she was delivered of that problem. Another version says that she was taken away out of the difficult spot. Those two people I said you should ask their name. Look them in the eye this morning. Because the Bible says that from the mouth of two or more witnesses shall every word be established. It says in Isaiah 3.10, it says, Say ye to the righteous that it shall be well with them, and they shall be well with them. Look at one of them today, and look them in the eye, and tell them, I declare with you today. I prophesy to you today. An end to your affliction in the name of Jesus Christ. Turn to the other person and look at them. And call their name if you know it. Call their name if you know it. Say, I join my faith with yours. Every difficulty that has followed you here will receive a word from God today. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Father, I want to thank you this morning for the entrance of your word. Lord, speak to us a way that you have designed. Open our ears of understanding to hear what you have in store for us. That at the end of the day, your name will be glorified. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead, take your seat quickly, take your seat quickly. I just told you. I said the race is not to the swift, the battle is not to the strong. The riches are not given to men of understanding. And it is not the people who are strong that win. And wisdom, wisdom is required in life, but it does not guarantee you success. There are many things that you and I do and we have and we understand. There are ingredients of success, but they do not necessarily guarantee success. It is required that you go to school and get an education in order to get a good job. But the fact that you have a good job does not guarantee you that you will even... The fact that you have good education does not guarantee that you will have a good job or be successful in life. I have told you stories and stories. This young man that I met in the barber shop, he made his own chances. It says time and chance was what happened to him. Chance is something that just happens circumstances that you don't control things that occur on their own timeline when you go out you do not decide what is going to happen to the traffic on the way but as you are going on along the way and the traffic is happening God can sort you out in such a way we go there my wife and I were driving on the highway and suddenly I got off the main road where everyone was chatting and I jumped onto the side lane which was only one lane and she looked at me and she said why did you do that I said I don't know 
He said, so you just left this one where there's two lanes and you went to the one where there's one. I said, I don't know. I just changed lanes. Not more than a half a second after she said that, we saw all the cars on the two lane were stopped in front. And the one on the left side that we were going on just continued moving on. And she said, did you see it before? I said, yes, I saw it before I saw it. I pray that you will see things before you see them. Chance is another word that I call opportunity. Opportunity. Because if time and chance happens, and you get to a place where you don't even know anyone, and you get offered something that was not offered, that is beyond the natural abilities of you and I, that is another word that I call opportunity. You see, because if you go to school, and you do not get an opportunity to work in the place of your choice. You will end up struggling in different things. Let me tell you a few things about opportunity today. And I will say a few things. And then we will stop as the Lord will bless us. Number one thing I want to tell you is I want to call it the faces of opportunity as we go on along. The first thing I want to tell you about opportunity is that you have to recognize opportunity. You have to recognize it. You see, there's a recognition that comes with taking advantage of an opportunity. In Hebrews chapter 5, when you read verse 8, Hebrews chapter 5 verse 8, the Bible says Jesus Christ, although he was a son, he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. So you may be a Christian and not have opportunities. You may be a son and not have opportunities. And you may both be siblings and one has different opportunities that the other didn't have, even though you are children of the same mother. Let me ask you today, all of us who are here, your siblings, there's maybe one or two of your siblings that is richer than you. There's one that is different than you. There's one that you are better than. And there are different types of every one of them. You are both made from the same mold, but your station in life is not the same. It is not because God likes one or doesn't like the other. It's a question of opportunity. Do you understand what I'm saying? Opportunity is one of the things that makes a difference. The woman with the issue of blood that we just read about. She had suffered many things. God bless physicians. I love you guys. Because what would we do without doctors? But she had suffered many things. And she got to a stage where she knew that this was not going to work again. If only I can get to touch Jesus Christ, then I will be saved. So she saw the opportunity, she recognized it, and she went for it. And as she was going for it, there was a throng around that must have been telling her, what's your problem, woman? But if she didn't know it, she wouldn't go there. If you don't recognize the opportunity, you will not take it. Let me say this to you. Many years ago, I worked as an investment banker. I think it was in the late 90s. And I worked for a bank called Charter One. I was in Charter One Securities. Microsoft had a problem, an, an antitrust case in Europe. And they were suing them. The stock of Microsoft dropped from $98 to $65 in one day. I called my friend who was there and I said, let's buy Microsoft. He said, why? I said, because nothing is going to happen to Microsoft. They will bounce back tomorrow. And anyone who can buy the stock will make money off of it. The next day, Microsoft stock went from 65. It went back to 80. 
by the end of day two, it was like nothing happened. So those of us that bought it at 65, we made what they call capital gains overnight. But you know that if you did not recognize it, it wouldn't have meant anything to you. Only the people who are informed and educated can take advantage of opportunities. So you must learn to recognize opportunities. I pray God will open your eyes. One of the things that you have to understand about recognizing opportunities is that you must be open-minded. Mary and Martha, John chapter 11, you must be open-minded. Mary and Martha, when they went to Jesus Christ and their brother Lazarus was dead, they didn't think that anything could, good could come out of the situation. Jesus Christ told them, he said, do you believe that your brother can rise again? They said, yeah, in the last days, he can still rise again. I mean, on the resurrection, something will still happen. I said, I that you are looking at, I am the resurrection and I am the light. As you are looking at me now, do you believe that God can change your situation? And the woman looked at him and said, you know, it's okay. Your expectation comes from your knowledge. Your knowledge governs what you recognize. Not only must you be open-minded, you must learn to ask open-ended questions. They taught us when we were in school that an open-ended question, a closed-ended question, is something you can answer yes or no. Never ask questions that you can answer with yes or no because the quality of your questions will determine the quality of your answers. The quality of the answers will determine the quality of the opportunities that are open to you. Simon Peter, when he was walking on the water, in Mark chapter 5, I believe, he saw Jesus Christ coming and he said, if it is you, ask me to come. That is a close-ended question. Of course, it was him. And all he said was, if it is you, ask me to come. But if he had asked the question differently, say, Lord, if it is you, tell me what I should do. You know, his answer could have been different. God could have told him that day, don't worry, just sit down. Or he could have told him, go and get your friends and bring all of you along with you. Or he could have told him that day, he says, don't worry, this thing is not going to be a problem, sit down. But he asked a question that he could only get one type of answer. I pray God will open your ears and your eyes and your understanding that you'll be able to ask the right questions. So you need to be open-minded. You need to ask open-ended questions in order to recognize your opportunity. Tell someone you need to remain in a learning mode. You need to remain in a learning mode. Number two, number two, right quickly. Opportunity can come out of chaos. In other words, life could be upside down and an opportunity is inside there. Many times you don't see the hand of God in what is going on. And many times you can't even see it. Simon Peter and his colleagues were in a big problem. Those guys were fishermen. They were skilled sailors. They understood how to swim. But when you come to a place of fear, fear will catch you. They knew that they couldn't swim out of that water. They knew that the issue that they were facing was becoming bigger than they could ever handle. Chaos will come out in somebody's life. But it is merely not to destroy you. It is to push you on to your next level. Have you been fired from a job? Have they threatened you with, you're going to lose your job? 
You apply for a job, you didn't get it. It's not because God doesn't like you. He's creating an opportunity for you in what you are going to do. I'm praying for you today that your chaos, if you are in trouble, your chaos, it will bring about an opportunity in your life in the name of Jesus. Let me move along quickly. Opportunity can come out of pressure that you are feeling right now. When you get a tube of toothpaste, there's all sorts of goodness that is inside that toothpaste. But until you squeeze the toothpaste, the goodness that is inside the toothpaste, it remains inside the toothpaste. Until some of us are under pressure, the best that is in us will simply not come out. When you listen to Esther, in Esther in chapter 4, when you read verse 11, Esther was already queen. She didn't have anything to do. And they went and told her, you need to go and talk to the king on our behalf. And she said, if I do that, I'm going to get in trouble. She was comfortable. She didn't have to do anything. But she saw an opportunity not for herself, but for her family members. And so she decided by the time you read verse 16 of Esther chapter 4, I'm going to do this. And if I perish, I perish. But you see, nobody that takes a chance on God, God will never let you down. I said, God will not let you down. In the name of Jesus Christ. You see, you have, to, you have to learn everybody that you know that has become something good in life was because they took opportunities that were not always the easiest. Nelson Mandela, we talk about him today, but do you know that he spent the better part of his life in jail? 27 years Nelson Mandela was in jail. Only to come out and be celebrated as the biggest and the best thing that has ever offered or happened to man. Let me go along quickly today. You see, because opportunity is something that you have to recognize. Opportunity is not always comfortable. Many times it will look like it's a problem. But behind that problem is an opportunity. Simon Peter stepped out and he walked on water. If he had only seen the problem... He would have lost the opportunity to be the only man on record today that has successfully walked on water. But when they talk about Simon Peter, they only talk about the things that he did not do. They didn't think about the things that he did. Simon is the only one that walked on water till day, till day, till day. But whenever they talk about Simon, they say he doubted, he sank, he did this, he did that. But you and I, we are here today by the grace and the mercy of God because of the opportunities that you have got. Help me tell your neighbor, I thank God for the opportunities God has given you. Let me tell you a few more things and then we will stop. In order to recognize and to take advantage of opportunities, you must understand that you cannot postpone or defer them. You cannot do what? You cannot postpone or defer your opportunities. One of the pastors that I like reading about, Leonard Ravenhill, he said, an opportunity of a lifetime must be taken in the lifetime of the opportunity. Let me say that again. That means that every opportunity has a lifetime. And if you don't take the opportunity during the lifetime of that opportunity, it goes away. The sad part about it is that an opportunity you miss does not die. It is simply taken on by somebody else. Let me talk to all my young friends in the house today. You see that young lady that you have been eyeing and you have not done anything about it. Don't waste your time. 
You see, because if you don't move quickly, somebody else will marry her before you get there. And then it will be a loss on you. The fact that you don't take the opportunity... See, I wasn't looking at you, so I wasn't looking in your direction. The opportunity of a lifetime, you must take it. They don't perish. Don't go around creating a fictitious woman that you want. The one that can cook and looks like an angel and behaves like your mother and listens to you whenever you tell her to jump and to sit down. But this one can cook, but this one looks better. And this one does what you want. And, and then you join all of them together and you create a fictitious entity that does not exist. That's why many of us, I, I was looking at a young man. Where is he? I know him very well. And I asked him, where is his girlfriend? He tells me, I haven't found one. I said, you mean in all the beautiful women here, you can't find one? He said, no, pastor, I can't find. I pray God will open your eyes today. You see, opportunity does not show you the outcome. It just shows you the open door. It says, here it is. You can walk in it. But it doesn't tell you what will happen at the end of the day. It's not GPS that you can plot all you go. God is very interesting. Because when he starts, he tells you the next step to take. He doesn't tell you what it would look like. When God told Abraham in Genesis in chapter 12, from verse 1, he said, leave your country, leave your father's house, and leave your people, and go to a place that I will show you. It was not until he gets there that God will show him. When he told him later on, he said, take your son and go and sacrifice him at a place that I will show you. He didn't tell him where it was. He just said, when you get there, you will know. I'm praying that you'll be able to listen to God and see opportunities all around you because the things that look like problems, they're really opportunities in disguise. Up it up your neighbor and say, are you listening to pastor today? Make sure that as you're going on along, be nice to the people that you see because you don't know which one of them is going to be your helper. I've told you the story of the guy who was in the back of the hall. Who was the person that was going to help another person get a job? And there are many of us like that. You go past the people who can help you. And you go out and start looking for things outside there. But the Bible tells us clearly that help will come from the sanctuary. There's a reason why he said that. You see, coming to church is not just coming to listen to pastor. It's coming to network. It's coming to meet other people. You see, because opportunities in life, you will need people. Let me say that again. Men are still the tools and the resources that God uses for his miracles. When God wants to do something for you, he will wake up someone where they are sleeping and tell them, go and help this guy. And I'm praying that whoever it is that God has put your next opportunity in their hands. In the name of God Almighty, they will begin to look for you by themselves. Bartimaeus, blind for many years, was sitting by the roadside. People would thought he didn't have any opportunity, but someone took him there every morning. And they left him there every day. If they had left him at home, he would never have met Jesus Christ. Your helpers, God will bring them your way in the name of Jesus. Let me close. Let me close today. Let me close right quick. Philippians in chapter 1. Let's read verses 12, 13, and 14. Philippians in chapter 1. Verses 12, 14, 
12 to 14. You see, opportunities can come out of the circumstances of your life. I said to you earlier on that there are some things you don't control. You can't stop a bird, they say, from flying over your head, but you can decide that you won't let it land. And if it lands, you can knock it off. Today, Paul, his ambition in life was that he was going to preach the gospel to all the kings that were in Rome. But he was just a local pastor in some area. But here is the conclusion of his life in three verses. In verses 12, 13, and 14. He says, I want you to know that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Verse 13. He said, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. In other words, even though I'm in chains, the chains are not because of the people around. My chains are in Christ. Look at verse 14. He said, and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, they are now bold to speak the word of God without fear because he was in chains. And he wanted to preach the gospel towards the end. It took him going into jail for his life ambition to be fulfilled. Look at that same scripture and read verse 22. By the time Paul got to the end of the book of Philippians, he said in Philippians in chapter 4 in verse 22, he said, 422, 422. I want us to read it right quick. He said, all the saints greet you. All the saints. All the saints are believers. He said, they greet you. But especially those who are where? Of Caesar's household. Caesar was living in Rome. Caesar was the king. The only way that they got to hear the gospel was because they were guarding Paul. And they were guarding Paul because he was in jail. And he was in jail because of the gospel. And if anybody had asked him that, do you want to preach to Caesar? He said yes. But how he was going to get to Caesar, he did not know. But by the time he was done, his life ambition had been fulfilled. The opportunity of his lifetime came because of the chains that he was in. I'm praying that whatever it is that your circumstances are, the Almighty God will use them to prosper your life. In the name of Jesus Christ. Let me stop here in Psalm 66. Verses 10, 11, and 12. David said, Psalm 66, verse 10. He said, For you, O God, you have tested us. God does not tempt anyone. He tests. And a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the God test. When you don't understand what it is about. That means it is simply God who is testing you. You will pass that test. I said you will pass the test. Because if you don't pass, you are going to repeat the class. He said, you refined us as silver is refined. Stop. I had to go and look. Why is he talking about refining silver? Because after all, gold is more precious than silver. But gold has only one purpose, to look good. There's nothing else that gold is used for except as an ornament. But you know, silver is also used as an ornament, but it has many other uses. Silver is used in China. Silverware. They use, sil they use silver to make batteries. 
They use silver to make construction and building. God is telling us in here that I want you to do better than looking good. I want you to be useful in the kingdom. He said, you refined us as silver is refined. And I went to look at the process of refining silver. Gold melts at a particular temperature. Silver has not even started melting at that point. That means that whatever you are going through, no matter how hot it is, and if it gets hotter than that, he says, God is still doing his work in you. And he says, he's only refining you so that you can become better at what he wants you to be. Do I hear amen? So the fact that you did not get scholarship last year does not mean that God has abandoned you. It does mean that he's preparing you so that when you get it, you will understand. Look at verse 11. Look at verse 11. He said, you brought us into a net. You laid affliction on our backs. God laid affliction. God laid pain on their back. Not somebody, not the devil. God. Look at verse 12. It says, you have caused men to ride over our heads. So when you think it is your mother-in-law that is doing something nasty to you, it has nothing to do with them, it's God. He said, you caused men to ride over our heads. Don't forget, if you think your mother-in-law is evil, you will become a mother-in-law someday. If you think it is your family member that is doing you, they can't find you, they can't catch you. Whoever it is that is pursuing you, for the sake of the name of the gospel, you will outrun them. He said, we went through fire and we went through water. All of this, all of this, because God had a plan for your life. He said, but you brought us out to what? Rich fulfillment. Another version said, you brought us to a wealthy place. Another version said, you brought us into a place of good fulfillment. One more version says, you brought us into a place where we will have no lack. So everything you are going through is so that you will not have a lack. I pray that the word of God will be settled in your life. Helen Keller was born at 18 months. She became blind. She suffered a disease. She lived in, I think it was in Ohio. At 18 months, she became blind. And the disease also made her deaf. That means that a person who is blind cannot see. So it cannot be taught how to read. Became deaf, so there was nothing to teach her how to do. And so by extension, she was dumb. A two-year-old was blind, deaf, and dumb. The only way they could communicate with her to calm her down was that they were pouring water onto her hands. So every time she was agitated, they'd pour water on her hands and the water would calm her down. And then they got a nurse for her. The nurse then found out that when they begin to write something in her hands, she could relate to what was being written in her hands. And that was how she learned how to communicate. So today, when you see how the blind people, they read what is called Braille, that's how it started. It was out of a place of pain. But the opportunity that came out of that was that girl was born blind. She wasn't born blind. She became blind and deaf and dumb but she became the one today who has been credited with having deciphered how to read and write in braille nobody else could have done it except someone who was going through that affliction god is putting you through some of the things because he wants to use you 
to reach people who are out there who would never come to church. But when they see the story of your life and they see what God is doing for you and through you, then you will know of a truth that this God that we serve, he can do anything. Stand up on your feet.